investigation of the Paticca Samuppada, contemplate the just the, the again the emphasis on birth, like the birth of the of the body, which one tends to take as a as the birth of oneself, don't you? I mean, the, the common conventional meaning is is that <clears throat> I was born <clears throat> on my birthday and my body was born and this body came forth into the world <clears throat> but birth also means the, a mental birth the self as being born and this is what uh, in uh, Paticca Samuppada is pointing to uh, physical birth already happened. I mean, this is this is just the uh, the results, the, the the old karma that remains of the birth of a of a physical body. <clears throat> Contemplate it like this: this all these forms sitting here in this room are old karma. It's just uh, regard like something. The old karma that is just <clears throat> is the the result of of uh, a birth, physical birth, how many years ago for each one of us. But it's not a self. It's not. It's not a. It a self can arise out of this, in any moment, out of heedlessness and habit. One creates a self about this body. <clears throat> but as a as a comic formation, it is what it is. It belongs to the planetary life, to nature, following the natural laws. It's the dhamma chat. It's the 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 it's a, it's the dhamma, and the following the the law of the dhamma. So what is born uh, dies. And what is born and dies is not self. So vicha bhajaya sankara is the is the arising, is the bur, bur, is the is that's the resultant the kind of that the vicha comes from never having questioned this. Merely going by conventional understanding and habit and intention, then that ignorance will always uh, create these illusions around the body and what happens to it. And, uh, we, the more kind of deluded uh, and uh, unquestioning you've, you've, you you are in your life, then then the resultant karma is is always going to bring us some kind of unpleasant results. I just, just watch during a day how being attached to, to arising things, to, to wanting to get results, to, to uh, anything that, uh, to, to wanting to have something to do, to accomplish, to be interested. Well, always, there's always uh, at the back of that intention if you never question it and never see, never, uh, uh, and you just follow that in that inclination, 
there's always a sense of worry or despair or impending doom or disappointment involved in any, in any attachment. That's why, that's why uh, it's so common to worry, isn't it? The human condition is a worry. It's, it's an anxiety because the sensory world is, is such an unstable, undependable, changing uh, thing in itself that, that, there's, that, it, that we, uh, you know, there's always something to worry about in regards to the conditioned realm. It's because it's never, it, it's incapable of really giving us satisfaction and contentment, then if we don't realize that, then we're, we're always in this state of, of kind of expectation and yet at the same time a kind of dread and uh, an anxiety that haunts and pursues human, human life. There's always this specter of doom and death and decay and separation, always possible at any moment. I was reading about the, uh, in the earthquake in Armenia, uh, one, the mayor of Len- Leninakon's family, the whole family, a wife and 15 children or something like that, were killed in the earthquake, just swallowed up. Just uh, imagine a, a losing your wife and 15 children all at one, one go like that. And that's, 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 that's an extreme case, yes. I mean, that, that isn't a, a common uh, human experience. Uh, uh, most of us are let off easier in life than, than that, but still, that, that is a possibility, isn't it? Suddenly everything can be just removed from us. In, the, the, uh, in Europe during the uh, time of Hitler, wasn't it? Just suddenly Jewish people found themselves quite unbelievably everything taken away and families separated and being tortured and brutalized and, and exterminated. Uh, and I think uh, they didn't quite realize, they couldn't believe what was happening because they didn't really seem to, to do very much about it. Uh, this is just a bad dream. We'll wake up someday and, and we'll have everything back again. And yet that is, that is a possibility, isn't it? We recognize that, that uh, uh, a plane could just drop out of the sky, a Pan Am 747 could just drop down. There's a lot of airplanes over here, flying over Amravati. <coughs> They're secure, and this, even <coughs> though we, we have to live our lives as if these things are not going to happen, but there's always that, that uh, sometimes unadmitted or unrecognized feeling uh, that comes from this experience of being born in these vulnerable forms. Because these are very vulnerable forms, aren't they? And if we put our 
if if we if we attach to to things in this material world, then there's always that possibility of them being taken away from us. So this this sensory realm, this is the realm of, as I said, the realm of death. And yet, humanity wants to pretend that it's a realm where you can save your money, put it in a bank, own property, um, get married, settle down, buy a house, buy a car, get a good get a good job first, then buy a house, buy a car, have children. These are the kind of the the the, the standard view of what is normal for life. You have grandchildren and this idea of lovely children and family, kind of this idyllic family, um, the happy life, the good life as a human being, the normal, what's considered normal and wholesome in, say, Western European values. <clears throat> and yet, has this ever really, in moments maybe this happens, there are moments where this lovely family is a lovely family, But it's always subject to change and disruption and holocaust and and uh, sorrow and grief and despair are the are what every human being experiences in a lifetime, isn't it? We all have to bear with the the death of of loved ones, the loss of things, the loss of our own faculties, the uh, aging process, and then they, we have to even at the end, die ourselves, give up that. The, the romantic illusions, isn't it? The, the Cinderella fairy tale story, I think oftentimes, I, uh, I think the United States has uh, used to be very much uh, uh, bound to that fairy tale. There's always this, this idea that somehow you'd meet the right person and live happily ever after. Because that's how the fairy tale, it doesn't tell you, doesn't, doesn't describe what happened to Cinderella and Prince Charming after they got married. They didn't have any, they, they just, they were, they were ideals, weren't they? The perfect couple made for each other and lived happily ever after. That's, that's a, that would be what we would like, isn't it? Wouldn't that be nice if, if we could just meet somebody, the one we were made for, and then live happily ever after, forever how long that is, ever after. <laughs> that's obviously not a reflective, questioning mind that, that will buy that story and believe it. <laughs> And yet that's a, that's a myth in a, in a dream, isn't it? Wouldn't that be nice if life were really like that? A bit of hardship uh, at first, there's a few obstacles in the way, the, the horrible stepmother and the jealous sisters and things like that. <laughs> but, in the, but in the end it works out, everything goes right and, and, uh, and you live happily ever after.
as Dhamma, though, we're, we're contemplating the, the realm of, of death. The Maravati. Maravati. Realm of death. And this is so that the birth, the, the, this body is born. So I contemplate it. The result of birth is, is this. It feels like this. Consciousness is like this. It's been conditioned, hasn't it? There's a sense, uh, just from my family, my experience in life, education, culture, all that was instilled in me from, from childhood. All kinds of attitudes, values, opinions that are, that are put into your mind. The nama rupa. The way we, we tend to say the, the nama is very much a conditioning, a way of, of interpreting the rupa, isn't it? Through culture, through, through uh, education. You, you're conscious, you have this vijnana, uh, which conditions the nama rupa. And then the rupa are the, the objects, aren't they? So you, the, the, the objective world. So that they, through the consciousness, then you, then you, um, you're aware of the, uh, you experience the objective world as a separation, me and the objective world, and, and the nama is how we interpret it, how we, the perceptions we have of it. From this, from this illusion of separation from avicca, bhajaya, sankara, sankara, bhajaya, vinyanang, vinyana, bhajaya, namarupa. Now in this sense of vinyana, it's non-specific in that case, it's just a general. Also, avicca is bhajaya, uh, sankara, sankara, bhajaya, vinyanang. This is just pointing to the general, general uh, uh, statement that ignorance, not talking about specific ignorance at a moment, or I mean, when it gets in, when when vijnana goes uh, conditions, namarupa and salayatana, then salayatana is is where the, it becomes more specific into eye consciousness and ear consciousness and so forth, and then the desire. So it's, we're talking about an actual moment where the self arises, where one is born in this moment as a person, as somebody. <clears throat> and the whole, whole uh, conditioning process of past karma is, I am the body, I am the, my memories, my, what I think, what I feel. And so this whole process of uh, avicca, sankara, vijnana, namarupa, salayatana, pasa, vedana, that, that the whole sensitive process interpreted always from this self, from the self-view, the atta view. So then Desire is the result of that. The Vedana conditions, Vedana, Banjaya, Dhanha, 
because desire, uh, when when we use dhanha, that always refers to, to that comes from abhicca. Dhanha in in the in its use in this in this case is is uh, is the is the result of ignorance. So it's a kind of blind reaction. Isn't it? It's not from mindfulness. It's not it's not proper choosing and selecting and out of skillfulness and, and mindfulness. But it's the it's the reacting pattern that you've developed through conditioning, through through being attracted or repelled by the Vedana. Now in Namarupa that would include all that, that Vinyana, Namarupa, Salayatana, that whole thing is about the five khandhas, isn't it? The Panchakanda. Now this process of investigation helps us to just look th- look at things in a different way, doesn't it? We're, it's not we're not trying to <coughs> uh, prove anything or or even change anything or or put down conventional reality as as a total delusion or or dismiss the sensory world as a realm of death and misery. It's not that, but it, it's a uh, learning how to to take things uh, and, and reflect, contemplate them in different ways. When I say this is the death realm, I don't mean that as a kind of um, morbid uh, doctrinal position that I've adopted. This is the realm of death, doom and decay. Everything ends in sorrow, grief and despair. <laughs> I don't mean to sound like like a kind of uh, demonic, uh, depressed character, but but really contemplating things, having the uh, having taking the perceptions and to in order for re- to reflect on them, because isn't it? We tend to want to think of life as. Life is good. Life is happy. We should be happy in our lives. Uh, the right to, to happiness is, is the bill, in the Bill of Rights of the Americans. And I'm an American and I have a right to happiness. It says so. <laughs> the Bill of Rights. I don't think the British have the right to happiness, but the Americans sure do. It's a good karma of being born in that country because it's one of your inalienable rights. We should be happy. Life is to be is beautiful. Life is beautiful and and it's full of love and joy and happiness. As Cinderella and Prince Charming there shouldn't be any horrible old stepmothers and vain and stupid silly stepsisters. And we're going to pass rules to forbid anyone from being like that. Trying to get <laughs> to get a happy world. 
and then the illusion of, of propaganda. Remember the the kind of Soviet propaganda that you, you used to see of uh, where peasants, happy peasants, out on tractors, everybody happy, healthy looking, and that everybody's healthy looking and attractive, and uh, and everything's green and and luxuriant, abundant. It's the paradise, isn't it? The right government, the right political system, you get it, and then you get this, uh, you know, happy children, rosy-cheeked, beautiful girls, handsome boys, uh, and this perfect society where everything is fair, just. And that's, that's another Cinderella story, isn't it? That's an ideal in the mind. Wouldn't it be nice if life could be like that? So there's already in our in, in a tendency to want to to project uh, I, uh, to try to find a paradise, isn't it? To create a paradise, the illusion of paradise in this sensory realm. In fact, a lot of uh, holiday hotels and nightclubs and all that are called paradise. <laughs> <laughs> moments where you can have that illusion of being in a place where everything is just wonderful, just what you want, just the way it should be. So, which is fine too. We need paradises, we need ideals, and and we need Cinderella and Prince Charming. We need all of those. There, there's nothing wrong with that or bad. But, but if we don't examine and investigate the experience of living and the sensory realm, then we'll never under, we'll only feel despair and we'll feel worried and threatened by this strange experience of being born in this vulnerable form and having to live in it for a lifetime. When we're full of ideas that it should be somehow, we should be happy. And we should be living in a paradise where everyone else is happy and everything's right. And, but it's not that way, is it? Sometimes it is that way. It's in moments, in brief moments, <coughs> where everything is wonderful. At least I've had a few brief moments where uh, the, that, there's that uh, kind of feeling that everything is just a paradise. It's a paradise. But it is impermanent, isn't it? Paradises are not permanent. So we contemplate the realm of death. And death is a, is, a, is a strong word in, in our society, isn't it? It's a word that generally is a, a polite and a proper kind of people would refrain from using too, too openly or too strongly. To say, this is the realm of death, is, 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 it really sounds heavy, doesn't it, in, in British values. This is the realm of death. And they, this, is, this is the realm for enjoyment, or for love, or for happiness, life. But when you contemplate, then you do. You begin to see what, what, that, what death is. Not, not a, a kind of death uh, 
in, in, in big capital letters. It's not something uh, bad or, or horrible. But it is the realm where everything dies. So that everything that we, every conditioned thing that we perceive and conceive of dies for us in this realm. All conditions uh, that arise cease. So that's, that's why there is this sense of worry and anxiety haunting humanity. It's not because you're neurotic and something wrong with you, is it? Not because there's that, that uh, you know, don't think that, that you are the only one that has the problem with worry and anxiety. It is the general human state of affairs. <laughs> why do people drink? Why do they, why do they go and, and, and to the pubs or bars and get themselves soused? Because of the worry, isn't it? When, you, when you've had a few good drinks, you, life doesn't, you, the, the worrying side tends to vanish a bit. Or get really excited, go on adventures, rock climb, or, or ride a, a, in, in a fast car, or, or have a romantic affair. So at these moments, then the, the worry is not there in, that, in those moments that, that uh, one, can, one can actually absorb into something quite pleasing or exciting or interesting. But the specter is always a worry, isn't it? Because if there's ignorance involved in anything we do, then, then on the edges, waiting on the edges, is the, is the, uh, as I say, Pratmanjurat, the Prince of Death. That, it, it, that this wonderful thing is going to end. Now I've noticed when, when, when there's mindfulness, then that very sense of worry, doubt, anxiety, if you, that's when, when, I'm, when I talk about investigating that very feeling, that will actually take you to a peaceful state of mind. Then death itself, the cessation of things, is true peacefulness. Experiment sometime during this retreat. If you're <clears throat> doing samatha meditation, Spend an hour just doing samatha meditation where you just develop something in your mind. Uh, uh, concentrate your mind, say, on, on, on the breath or to, to have this sense of, of developing and concentrating your, your mind on an object. And, and feel your body just fill with the, the, the body fills with this energy. And you have this sense of development of of uh, of growth, of rising, 
and you, and as you absorb into the object, then you do get peace. You get tranquility. A kind of tranquility comes from that. Well, in the jhanas, you get tranquil, tranquilized. And that's but th- that tranquility, if investigate, if you investigate it, is not satisfactory tranquility. There's something missing in it. If you really observe that 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 tranquility is, it, you have to. It, it's it depends on being attached, and of holding on. So that samatha meditation takes you to, to some very high and radiant experiences in your mind. But on the edges also is the, is the sign of death. Because it, it ends, it ceases. Then if you practice, say, do another hour of practice just on, on, on letting go of everything and, and just abiding in not knowing and the sound of silence and the, and the, the doubt and the uncertainty. Just to accept uncertainty, unsurety, uh, the silence and the ending and the cessation of, of conditions. And what happens there is, 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 is the result is that takes you to peacefulness, not tranquility. It's different. It will, you feel peaceful, not tranquil from that. And that peacefulness is, is a, is, is a perfect peacefulness. It's not. It is, it's complete. It's not like the tranquility from samatha, which, which has something imperfect about it or unsatisfactory about it. Even, uh, even at its, uh, even at its best, there's something unsatisfactory about it. There's something not, not complete or perfect about. Samatha meditation, but this this other this this uh, re- realizing cessation. As you as you develop that and understand that more and more, and appreciate that, then that's true peacefulness, non-attachment, nibbana. This is just for you to, to contemplate and, and if you if you if you're because these are the two there's a samatha vipassana uh, division in meditation. One is, is a developing and a, a concentrated state of mind on refined objects, which you become very refined. Your consciousness becomes refined through that kind of concentration. When the jhana in jhanas, you, you, the the division tends to diminish considerably, so that it's an absorption. You're actually refinement rather than than someone trying to attain refinement. There is that you're actually experiencing the the refinement, a refined conscious state, refined rupa, the refined forms, and and arupa, formless. But that is an imperfect, even that is, is, is suffering, 
in the sense that there's, it's not perfect. It's very dependent on conditions supporting it. And even if you investigate it, if you start looking, it's somehow not a satisfying, not, not a satisfying way to be. And refinement is not the answer. In fact, the more you attach to refinement, the more you, you, you suffer, because then what is ordinary seems terribly coarse. If your standards go up very high, then you attach to very high standards, then just ordinariness is just too gross and too coarse to be, you can't bear it. You find people who've, who've developed very high levels of aesthetic appreciation and, and sensitivity suffer enormously in this kind of coarse, uncouth society that we have to experience. <laughs> Because most, most human beings are pretty uncouth, actually. Gross. And if you've, if you've developed a, a, great, a high standard of gentility and refinement, you must suffer enormously from having to live with a bunch of barbarians. Vipassana, uh, insight into the nature of things, then, then is, 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 is the way out of that suffering. When somebody dies in Thailand, and, and uh, we do it also here, when, uh, chanting at the funeral, of, uh, we chant, Anicca vada sankara ubhattavaya tamino bhacittavani ruchanti de sangubhasamosukho. Just very short chant in Pali, which, which, which is quite a beautiful one. It says, all conditions are impermanent. They arise and they cease, and in their cessation is peace. Well, that's, that's, you, can, you can see that as you, as you, when you, in your mind, while your body's still breathing, as you, as you uh, understand the, the uh, Dhamma more and more, and the way of non-attachment, or letting go, and of non-attachment, and, and and realizing the cessation, then you realize that peace also, nibbana, non-attachment, not being reborn again, not having to rise up with things and then lose them again and find something else. That whole cycle, samsaric cycle, which is, which is. Uh, the dukkha of being caught in a, in a cycle that just reinforces itself continuously until we break the cycle, till we see it and transcend it. That's why Brahma realms and all that are considered in Buddhism to be definitely not, not worthy of uh, trying to, to attain. The Buddha taught uh, Nibbana rather than these heavenly realms. 
because the heavenly realm, you can, you can actually tune into them through samatha practices, through concentrating the mind and on re- refine, refining the consciousness. Uh, as a human being, you can actually kind of tune into them, Brahma realms, through samatha. But the, the thing about being human is that, that we, have to, we have to really accept coarseness because of just the, the, the functions of our body, the coarse material world that we have, that we have to uh, put up with for a lifetime. And it's this, this human body and the planetary life and, the, and all of this is something we have to touch the earth. We have to accept the, the limitation of this human form and planetary life. And in, by doing that, then we're, we, the way out of suffering isn't through, isn't, isn't through, through a, a getting out of the, our human experience by living in a Brahma realm, but by embracing the totality of all the human Brahma and the whole, the whole lot through mindfulness. Now the Buddha pointed a way of, of a total realization rather than a, a, a temporary escape through refinement in beauty. Now this is, this is what a total enlightenment, complete enlightenment, is what the Buddha means when, he, when, he, when he's pointing the way to Nibbāna. It's not just a temporary kind of relief. Or even a, a long-term relief, like some of those Brahma realms. If, if you practice uh, samatha meditation and, you, and when you die as a human being, and, you might get reborn as Mahabrahma, which lives about 84 billion eons or something. Which is a long time, isn't it? 84 billion eons. Depends on what an e- how long an eon is. Nobody says. <clears throat> well, 84 years for us is a long time. <laughs> 84 billion eons. But then I used to contemplate that, I think. But if, you know, the reason why 84 years for us seems a long time is because we have, we have so much pain in our lives and unpleasantness as human beings. You know, and when you're, when you're in pain or bored or, or, uh, down or despairing, then time just seems to drag, isn't it? If you're miserable and in pain, then then five minutes is like 84 billion eons. It's just interminable. But then I noticed happiness goes by very quickly. Five minutes of pain is like five hours, and five hours of happiness is like five minutes. And I thought, maybe if you, if I spent this lifetime so that in the next one I'd be reborn as Mahabrahma, 84 billion eons of pleasure, it'd probably go by just like that. <laughs> because it would be unmitigated, wouldn't it? Mahabrahma doesn't have any, any, 
any boredom or despair, anything. It's all totally positive radiance. So, so it would just whiz by, I'm sure, 84 billion eons would be, would be nothing because it's unmitigated pleasure, happiness. Where it recognized that, that the time, the illusion of time that we have as human beings is very much based on the, on the, the, the age of a, of a body, isn't it? A year and so forth. How, how many years old are you? And also, the real exp- uh, feeling of time is how much pleasure or how much pain you're experiencing, is how, whether time is, is a long time or a short time, isn't it? Five hours can be a very short time. Or it can be a very long time. It's relative to how you're feeling. So in this retreat, you're contemplating these very things that we, that, that make up our lives, and they birth and death, and the, and the, uh, and consciousness, and the, and the, and the sensitivity, the vedana. We're contemplating the things, the, the very experience of our existence, of existing in, a, as a form. And this is where this is what. What, where wisdom is used. This, this actually way of, of contemplating is, is using wisdom. You're, you're using wisdom. You're learning to use wisdom by contemplating existence. And, and the way things are as, as you're sitting here. Like, it, just, just, uh, and, and to, each one of us will be feeling something different right now. If I, if I went to ask everyone here in this room, what exactly are you feeling right now? It would be probably, you know, each one would have their own kind of feeling. But the feeling is feeling, isn't it? We're not... We're not we're not saying one feeling is better than another feeling. We're not trying to say who's, who feels the best, who feels the worst, but we're just looking at feeling, what it is to be, a, to be in a sensitive form that feels and is conscious, that is impermanent, the form is impermanent, that is vulnerable. And life is like this. And death is, is, is what we... Uh, we all are aware of as being the end of our lives. And that we, we as Ajahn Chah used to say, we have to die before we die. He said, in your meditating, when you're practicing meditation, you're learning to die before you die. So you're letting die, letting everything die that is death-bound. You're let, and that's letting go, isn't it? You're letting go so that everything death-bound dies before you die, before your body dies. 
and then what's left? When everything's dead? When everything that is born dies, what remains? And just as you, as you contemplate this with mindfulness, when you let things go, when you allow things to go, and you're mindful of them, as, as they, 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 what comes and go, goes, what remains when everything, when there's emptiness, when, the, when you've let go of, of the five khandhas, is peace, isn't it? Peacefulness. Really a beautiful peacefulness. And, and there, there's, there's intelligence, not a, a stupid peacefulness, like, a, like being some uh, cow eating grass out in the paddock. But it's, it's a bright peacefulness. It's intelligent peacefulness. Not, it's not a, a, a dull peacefulness. So then you, you realize that there's nothing to be frightened of, nothing to worry about when you real, realize Dhamma. There's a lot to worry about and to be frightened of <laughs> when you're attached to the five khandhas. There's an endless worry, it's an endless worry just goes on and on and on because there's so many that attachment that blindness makes life so fraught with saying life is so unsatisfied by being attached to it that uh, that it it really is wearisome but as you see the way out of suffering you realize that then then there's nothing to fear And one, one feels, and one can bear and endure the vicissitudes of existence, whatever they might be in, in our lifetimes.